What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Berry, the content marketing specialist here. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to grow and manage a remote business. Remote businesses, they give us more flexibility, more control of our hours. How do we scale up as a solopreneur to hit our goals? And then eventually reach out, hire more people, because that's how you achieve even more growth. That's how you create more time for your business, and you're able to focus more of your time on higher level parts of your business. So we're going to talk about all the things you need to know about growing and managing your very own remote business. Our guest who joins us today, he's the co-founder of Summit CPA Group, a leading provider of virtual CFO services that recently merged with Anders CPAs and advisors in 2022. The Summit CPA Group provides virtual CFO services for over 100 companies across the United States. Our guest who joins us in this episode of Breakthrough Success is none other than Jody Grundin. Jody, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. I hope I can match your enthusiasm here. Jody, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And I feel like remote is such an appealing way to work. You have more people who are recognizing that they don't have to do the nine to five. You have more people who want to have the flexibility to start a business, work on their own hours, but uh, making that transition, it's something that definitely takes time. So I'm wondering if you can share for people who maybe they're offering services or they're working at a nine to five right now, how do we get into this business mentality and slowly start working on that transition? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we, we went remote way back when it wasn't even popular. That was about 10 years ago or so. We were one of the first companies in the uh, in the world to be remote, actually. According to Forbes, we're one of the top 125 or one of the first 125 companies. And, uh, you know, with that, it, it wasn't it wasn't the Jody Grundon idea of, hey, this is what we're going to do. It was we, we had a client that was actually uh, one of the first 25 companies to ever be fully remote or fully distributed, they call it. And what, what, what distributed means, it means that you don't even have an office to go back to. Everybody's spread throughout the United States or elsewhere, and there's no central office. And we are that way. Uh, we were brick and mortar from 2002 when we first started all the way to about 2013-ish. And, and then at that point, we decided, you know what, hey, this company that we're a CFO for, we're managing it, they can go remote. Why can't we? And so uh, I clearly remember I was in a board meeting and it went with, with our team. It was only about 18 people at the time. And uh, we, you know, we, we were in there, we do these stand-up meetings and it's like, you know, hey, you know, I always start out with, out with a joke, you know, just kind of a humorous type of thing. And I start off and say, hey, we're going to go fully distributed. We're going to close the office down. It's going to be great. And boy, it was a pin dropping, you know, complete silence and, and deafening. And they're waiting for the punchline. And it was like, no, we want, want to go remote. And uh, what happened was, is that they all came up with all these reasons why they couldn't go remote. This is all pre-pandemic and everything. And they're like uh, internet, got to meet with people face to face, you know, all the different things that, you know, people, you know, two or three years ago thought was, you know, was an essential thing. And I thought, well, you know, I can't lose my entire team. And so I, I've got to actually do something to keep them. So I'm going to just go ahead and cave in. I'm going to stay brick and mortar. And so I went ahead and remodeled my entire building, spent about a hundred grand in the remodeling cost. And I was pretty excited. I kicked everybody out for about six weeks, all the construction, everything, hammers going everywhere. And uh, it just happened that it was like one after another, people come in and say, you know, hey, I really like this remote idea. Do you mind if I stay home? I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And so one after the other, everybody but about four folks decided to uh, that they wanted to stay at home and work remote. So I thought, wow, this is different. 
And even the people that uh, that did come to the office within about oh, it's probably two, three months later, they, they said, you know what? Hey, I, I think I want to do this remote thing, too. So it was one of those deals that it was an accidental happening. I spent a hundred grand and I have an office that was never used, which was kind of funny. And the funny part about it was when I, when I uh, sold it again, they had to re remodel all the offices that had never been used. So it was remodeled twice without uh, any use at all. But uh, the, the team decided, hey, this is going to work out. And so you know, at that point, there were, there were not that many companies remote. So we had to kind of figure out on the fly, you know, what works, what doesn't work. And uh, what we found is that communication is the key to working remote. Uh, no different than really communication is the key to working, you know, in a, in a brick and mortar office. But you have to be very intentional with communication. And, and so what does that mean? Um, when we were interviewed by uh, Forbes magazine back in, you know, back in 2013 as one of the, one of the first remote companies, they, they asked me what type of virtual office do we use? And at that point, we didn't have one. We, we were just using it at that time. It was like video conferencing to like go to meeting and we had telephones and all that kind of stuff. And I had no idea what that even meant. And so I Googled it and really couldn't find anything because it was a fairly new concept. And uh, I asked them, I go, what do you guys use? And they're like, well, we use Sococo. And I'm like, oh, S-O-C-O-C-O. -O. I spelled, I go, hey, that's what we're going to use tomorrow. And for an accounting firm to adapt to technology, is, is it takes a long time for the most part. You know, they're not really risk takers, right? But there was full adaption within the day. They loved it because what it did, it, it gave everybody a central location. It looks kind of like SimCity. I'm not a spokesman for it at all, but it gives you that virtual office setting that people can actually come to the office, not drive, but they can actually click on their own office. They see other folks in the office, little emojis, and uh, they can then immediately just knock on doors because it's an office type setting. They can, when they, when they, you know, people can invite them in their office. They're on immediate video conference. And it was one of those things that just they, people felt connected now because that was the one of the big problems of, with remote. And I think a lot of companies are going to experience this um, that haven't experienced it already is that once a person's remote for a certain period of time, uh, for us, we see it's about six months or so, uh, they start really getting disconnected from the actual company. And, and with that, you know, they, they really need to be with somebody, you know, feeling and touching, meaning that you got to have some sort of retreat. And so what we did is we established, you know, a, a retreat every six months to keep that connectivity. And the retreats are, you know, we spend, you know, a couple thousand bucks, two, two to $3,000 a person on these retreats. So they're, so they're really, we, we spend a lot of money, make sure we do it right. But the biggest part of the retreat is not workshopping and education. It's more soft skills, you know, how to deal with hard, hard conversations, you know, things that you, you, you would hope that a brick and mortar company would do. Most of them don't. But we do intentionally. And, and that's the big part about it, because, you know, people, folks like to come to the retreat. So it's fun to go to the retreat. It's not like a typical company party or company, you know, you know, thing where you have you, you can't wait until the, you know it gets done and then you go and do your own thing afterwards. You know, people love coming to them and they more importantly love afterwards because we actually set these retreats up so that it's a fun, fun experience for them, you know, where we. You know, we'll have dinners, we'll, we'll, we'll set the dinners up after the retreat, we'll put them in groups of, you know, eight. So if your team is a smaller team from one to four, split it up. Don't have everybody in the same meeting, you know, split up so people are forced to have conversations with people they don't typically have converse, conversations with. And so what, what that does, it really kind of builds that bond. And so, and, and I tell people that your company is really only as big as the people that you work with if you're working remote. You know, you could have a hundred person company, if you only see four people you know, throughout the week, it's really a four-person company. And, and what the retreat does, it, it expands that. So now you've met two other people or three other people, and now it, it's a bigger experience for them. And so now 
you know, Mark, I've never had, ex- never had an opportunity to talk to you, no reason to talk to you, but now I know you on a personal level, then I'll give you a buzz and ask you a question that maybe I wouldn't have, wouldn't have asked before. And it really kind of really creates that bonding and friendship. And, and so as we kind of circle back, communication is the biggest part there, communicating through a virtual platform, but then also that connectivity that you're going to need, because again, the remote world, um, you don't want to lose folks, you know, o- over time because they feel disconnected. And so the retreats are so important uh, to, to actually make that happen and, and prevent uh, uh, employee turnover. And with those retreats, I mean, two to 3,000 may sound like a lot, but if you are foregoing the commercial property, that's all this, uh, the mortgage you don't have to have, the renovations you don't have to have, the property taxes you don't have to deal with. So having those that money set aside because now you're using it for other areas, you can put it into the retreat, into strengthening communication. And for a solopreneur, there's a lot of value in having mm-hmm. an assistant or even think about having multiple assistants and then expanding from there uh, because of all the time that you get back that you could put into those higher level activities that really move your revenue the most. But mm-hmm. for that person who is starting out, uh, you it, it's a transition where a lot of people are used to receiving their same paycheck from the same person. Now, all of a sudden, they have to go after several smaller paychecks or even more high-ticket clients because that just it just depends on what industry you're in. Uh, how do we fill up those, like how do we get those initial clients uh, when we are at the point where we need multiple income streams versus one employer who's doing all the legwork with your income? Yeah, it, w- the way that we approach that, because it, it, it's kind of kind of weird, right? Because you're fully remote. So it's not like you can go knock on doors at the local university or wherever you're going to get your clients at. And so we had to create, at, you know, way back, Jesus has been probably about 2004-ish when, when we started doing uh, a ton of content marketing. So we really, really led with inbound marketing and, and inbound sales are the are really the key. So you've got to really create that demand uh, for your service. You know, when we started the virtual CFO service in, in 2000, uh, 2004, it, it, was, it didn't even exist. There was no such thing as a virtual CFO service. Or if there were, it wasn't very well known. And, and so we're trying to talk to people and say, you know, hey, we're, we're providing this really cool service where we can meet with you on a regular basis and help you with your finances. Well, people didn't understand that. What do you mean virtually? What do you mean not coming to my office? You know, how, how does that work? You know, th- you know that, that that's not possible. I got to shake your hand. All the different obstacles that came up with that. And so it was really hard. And so we had to really kind of focus our content marketing and, and really kind of focus and talk about it. Not, not, not a sales pitch, but more an education pitch where we're teaching people how to be profitable, maybe in, in one industry versus another. And how to, how to you, know, you know, the importance of a forecasting model, the importance of having forecasting, why that's important, and really focus and, and, and put it out there. And it was for about, oh shoot, probably about 10 years in a row, we had a blog a day for 10 years in a row. And uh, with that, that really kind of really propelled the fact that, you know, hey, when we're when anybody's searching for virtual CFO services anywhere in the United States, we're going to pop up on that first page from one to five, you know, depending upon the day or the search level. And that was important for us because at that time, the, the concept of that virtual CFO service wasn't even a, a terminology. Now it just happens to be one that a lot of CPA firms, a lot of people have really kind of focused around. And, and it made it really nice that when because we were such a, 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 you know, at the beginning of that and really focusing on that and really putting our time and content marketing and everything, when people do that search, it allows them to bring clients to us. But, but that was just one part of it, right? Because, you know, not everybody looks for people on the web. And so 
the way that we, we, we also did is when we started focusing on niches and niches are really the key to high growth and, and really be able to charge a high, high dollar amount is when you can focus, you can say, you know, I know the dentist industry really well. You know, Mark, you need to come to me because I am the expert in, in dentistry. I know the vernacular. I know how I know how dentistry works. I know the profit margins. I know the KPIs. I know everything that a dentist needs to know in order to profit, you know, make their business profitable in, in, in the uh, in the accounting industry. And you can relate this to really to any industry that you're in right now. Um, but if once you become that niche expert, people will seek you out. So instead of just really content marketing on the virtual CFO services, then we flipped it in about two, that was probably about 2012-ish, somewhere in there, about 10 years later, we flipped it and really started focusing on the industry itself. And for us, we really approached the creative agency industry, the marketing agencies, the, the web design, web development agencies, the SEO, SEM, you know, those, those folks, you know, we, we, you know, was the industry or the niche that we wanted to really focus on. And so how, how do we do that? Again, content marketing, focusing onto it. But then another part about it was that we thought, you know, hey, in order for this to really work, we need to get be that thought leader and thought leadership is super important. Uh, so I wrote a book on it. You know, hey, here's how to, you know, here's everything everybody needs to know in the, in the creative agency industry about profits and KPIs and really kind of educating the masses there. And, and that started bringing some traction into being that thought leader. And then I went out and, and I had the ability, I went out and spoke. So I, and I, I went to small conferences where, you know, 30 or 40 leaders were gathered and kind of like a, a retreat type thing with, uh, you know, with, with, for creative agencies. And I, and I taught, my, my, my talk was how to be profitable, you know, basically reemphasizing again, what they need to do, what they need to learn, what, what their focus needs to be in order for them to be profitable, the KPIs they need to know, how to do forecasting, how to, how to run a successful business in the creative agency space. And I really focused on that. And it took about nine months of really pushing, uh, going to these different conferences. I probably went to four or five within that nine month span before I actually got my first client. So it, it was kind of scary, right? Because you're out there, you're like really beating, you're going everywhere too. You're beating the path and you're in California, you're in New York, you're all over the place going to these different conferences. And then finally it started really picking up and it, it was pretty amazing because it was the, the first month it picked up, we picked up 11 clients in one month. I thought, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Then it was like eight clients the next month. Uh, we're going to go out of business here. I got no way to service these clients. You know, how am I going to do this? And it just happened at that point. Uh, we got lucky and that's when Forbes put an article out about being a creative, you know, being one of the first remote companies and we got flooded with resumes. So that kind of helped, helped that there. But, you know, it, it, we went from picking one to four clients up a year when we niched our industry or our actually service but then we flipped it over and we niched the industry and the service, two niches in a row, two niches combined there. Uh, we pick up right now an average of what, four to six clients a month. And so, you know, it, it, it dramatically changed things and it allowed that really high growth. You know, we, you know, we, we, we struggled with growth, I think, in the very beginning. Uh, it was tough, you know, being, you know, one to five people. You know, you're really, you're really grinding and it seems like you're, you're doing a lot of work and you're not really getting anything up, you know, anything back from it. But when when we flipped the switch, went with the uh, vertical on the on the service. Then we flipped the switch again and went with industry. Uh, the growth uh, dramatically changed. We, we double our size every three years, and uh, it, which is great. And, and, and it's a profitable growth. It's not just growth for growth's sake, which I always tell people: don't go grow just to grow. Make sure you're growing profitably. And, and we did that. It took to the point where we bootstrapped it back in 2002 with no money at all. 
And, uh, you know, here we are 20 years later, we build it up to a, a, a almost a $12 million uh, uh, virtual CFO firm. And it's interesting you mentioned the conferences as a way that for the first few, you didn't get clients. But once you dial it in, the clients came in like a surge. Can you talk about some of the things you did differently, like those first four conferences you went to where you didn't get new clients versus the fifth one and beyond where you're getting the steady stream of clients? What was the uh, transition or something you did differently? Was it I, scheduling? I think, that, okay. Yeah, that's a great question because I, I think the transition was that the more I got used to talking, the more I got used to going and, and presenting in front of clients because because it wasn't, you know, it didn't happen that the clients would just come to me during those conferences. I always push clients away or prospects away. After I get done talking, I'd hang out with them for the retreat, maybe two days. And they're like, you know, hey, would you guys be able to do this? I go, hey, let's hold off on that. If you're really interested, we can talk. We can talk after the conference. So I, I really pushed them away and said, because I want them to know that, hey, I was there not to sell. I was there to really help them and teach them. And that, and that was the big thing. It took a little bit to figure that out. But once I figured that out, that was the, the big thing there. And then just plus the over and over. So you do 30 of these, you know, there's 30 people and maybe you did, you did now you've talked to over four conferences, you talked to 120 folks. Well, co- you know, conference number one, you know, calls us, you know, nine months later because they have a need. You know, conference number two calls us, you know, six months later, maybe conference, the third conference actually has a need. So I don't know if it was, it was something I did differently necessarily, but it was more, the more that we did it, the bigger the web got. And even today, we get clients or prospects that call that, you know, hey, I, I saw you four years ago at this XYZ conference. You remember me hanging out and talking to you? And I'm like, no, I'm not, honestly, I don't, <laughs> you know, you know but, but, you know, they remembered it back then and the need finally came up today, you know, so it, 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 and, and the need, you know, we had a person back in March that uh, reached out to us and, uh, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in December right now. So March to December reached out to us, not interested. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't asking them. They reached out to me just to find out a little bit about it. I've got this great person on staff. She's doing a wonderful job. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, nine months later, that person found a job, (laughs) you know, with a different company. I need somebody now. I remembered you at the conference, you know, and, and uh, gave us a call. So it's creating that one and creating that long-term play is is the big part about it. If, If you go into really any kind of marketing with a short-term idea, you're going to be probably you know, dissatisfied nine times out of 10. It's really the long-term play that you've really got to develop that, that leadership, that thought leadership, going back to the similar type of conferences. You know, the more that you can hang with the same, the same conference brand, the better off that is. Because again, you become that thought leader quicker. But if you've got to spread it over multiple ones, that's fine too. Just make sure that you spend a lot of time there with the people to, you know, be part of their, you know, th- their group, you know, be, be part of them when you're doing it. Don't be somebody over top of them, teaching them how to do something, really kind of help them uh, get to where they want to be from A to A to B, whether it's profits or, or whatever you're selling. And I really like how Jody mentions that one of the people who saw him at the conference, it took four years before the person became a client. Like that's something very important for people to notice. That's why we continue creating content on these different platforms. We continue to show up because a person who you meet today, it could take them four years to become a client. And even if it takes six months or a year, it's just this reflection of a long-term relationship. Jody, I know you mentioned earlier for like 10 years, you did a blog post every single day. Yep. Um, is that something that you would do right now if you had to start over? Or would you be doing something like, TikTok, because a lot of people talk about TikTok or like some other opportunity. What's your thought on that? 
Yeah. So back then there wasn't social media. So uh, otherwise we'd have done the same thing. So we, you know, even today we, we, uh, we, we, we break it up. So it's not, maybe not a blog, but maybe it's a video, um, you know, a vlog, you know, maybe it's a YouTube, maybe it's on TikTok because we have, we, we, we have several things on TikTok. We've got Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. We, we do them all. So we're always hitting all kinds of content. And, and I think it's important to know that not everybody goes on YouTube. Not everybody get, get, is in Facebook. I'm not in Facebook. I don't typically go to Facebook, but I'll pop on TikTok. I'll pop on, you know, here I am accountant popping on TikTok. I'll pop on Twitter. I'll, you know, I, I will go through, you know, YouTube. I'll, I'll do some other things that, so you, you got to really kind of hit everything in my opinion and, and kind of find out where your clients are. You, you may find out that you're spending a lot of time on Twitter and you get absolutely no response. Well, allocate your funds in a different area then. But I, I would say definitely, Social media is huge right now. I would, I would, and it's going to be for, I don't see it going away. It's going to be huge. I think you need, really need to spend your money, but not just on content, but I think on video. Video is huge. Yeah. I mean, social media, some social networks are going to get more engagement than others. Some are going to be more popular than others, but the whole concept of social media, I know we keep talking about like social media is the big thing. It's the opportunity. And we've heard this for years, but it's true because of the way ultimately you want a platform that connects you with people. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's social media. It doesn't matter if it's you speaking at conferences or writing blog posts, doing videos. At the end of the day, you have to put yourself in a position where you are connecting yourself with people. That's what Jody did with the daily blog posts for 10 years. And now we're seeing them branch out to other areas. You don't have to do all those things, but it's good to experiment and figure out which ones are right for you. Yeah. And I would also add, add, Mark, is that, you know, when I first started off, I actually wrote everything myself. And what happened was, is that it, it kind of got to the side, I kind of got pushed away because clients always came first. Right. And so I always made reasons why not to do it. So it wasn't really until I actually hired a contractor to help me write a lot of those posts. And so what a contractor would do is they would spend, you know, we had, we had basically an hour blocked off every week. Uh, the contractor would ask me, tens of different questions on video or on recording, depending upon when it, when it was. And then they would go back and create the content based on what I had said or what, they, what I had read, or they'd bring information to me that maybe they did some research on. And then we'd tweak it together to make it, make it something that I would do. So I would highly recommend um, having a set cadence with a, with, if you, if you're not going to do it yourself, have a set cadence with a contractor, you can find them anywhere and they're, they're not that expensive. Um, but it really will help you really kind of get things going and keep the, the tone the same, the voice the same and make sure it comes across, you know, as if it was you saying it. And I think that's really important. It's also important to understand what, what is being said, make sure that it, it, everything passes the mustard, you know, test when you, before you, uh, you release it to the uh, public. That's really interesting because, because I can relate to this actually, because I'm a business freelance, right? I do a lot of personal finance articles, a lot of digital marketing articles and, as Jody mentions, like you want to prioritize the clients. And I'm at that stage where I'm writing a lot of content for the clients. I'm sending more pitches. I want to grow my freelance writing business. But then I look at my blog and it's like, it's been a while since I last updated it. So <laughs> I'm wondering if you could share, like, how did you go about finding that contractor? Like, was it like a lot of people I think would think Upwork right away or something else like that. I'm wondering yeah, what that, that's we went through Upwork. That's how we ended up getting our contractors. Um, before that, I'm trying to remember. It was just a person, person that my my business partner knew, an English major that um, was looking for. She was an older lady looking for something to do, and we we, we um, uh, she said, "Yeah, we, I'd love to do it." And so that was just kind of we ran into some, a contractor that at that point just from a, a friend of a friend type of thing. 
Uh, but once, you know, but right now we use, we use Upworks, we use, you know, all different kinds of platforms out there looking for contractors, you know, you submit your, you, 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 can, you can have them submit, um, you know, pieces of work to you to, to verify that, hey, this is what I want, you know, because some contractors will write very technical, others will write very casual. You know, for, for me, I'm very casual. So I'm casual speaking. All my books that I've written, they're very casually, you know, it's a casual, you know, it, it sounds like you're talking to me versus a, a, an actually a science book that you would, you would, you're just reading, you know, facts. You know, so it's important to know or important to interview different folks to make sure that, hey, the content that that they're going to put out for you is in the is in the in the tone that you want it to go out. Uh, Upworks is a great platform. There's I'm sure there's many others, but that's what we uh, we settled with. That's something I've tinkered around with, but I may go back to it again um, because you do reach a point where you've got overload with the clients and you just want to keep pitching the clients. And uh, there are some areas where hiring could be the best way to go forward. So something for me to think about, something for Breakthrough Success to think about as well. And Jody, you've given us so many great insights throughout this episode. And I think Breakthrough Success listeners, you should all follow Jody and what he's doing. So Jody, where do you suggest we go to keep following your work and journey? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn at Jay Grunden, you know, that that J-G-R-U-N-D-E-N would be a, a place or feel free to, you know, you can reach out to me if you have any questions or comments or want to just know how or why or what. Uh, my email is Jody, J-O-D-Y at summitcpa.net. That's .net, not .com. I didn't want to spend extra money for .com. <laughs> so it's uh, summitcpa.net. Um, so you can, you can reach me there. And you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm real YouTube. You know, I'm pretty much everywhere. So um, Google, you'll find me right there too. So uh, Google summitcpa. or summitcpa group, and I'll be right there at the uh, head of Google. Well, Breakthrough Success listeners, we will have those links in the show notes. Make sure you follow Jody and his work. Jody, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it.